0: Today on Life Radio, we will be talking to Kenneth Head, founder and CEO of K-Head Consults, located in metropolitan Detroit. We will gain some insight on financial investing, why it is important to become financially literate, and the importance of good credit. We will find out all of this and more coming up on Life Radio. welcome to life radio i am your host demetria head and i am here with our guest today kenneth head from k head consults kenneth tell us a little bit about your financial background and what made you get into financial consulting in particular
1: well thank you for having me today um well my background in finance starts with me attending um, university that's where i studied business and accounting. This is where I first took a primary interest in understanding how, finance, how finances work and also how the system works within corporate structures. Um, after that, this is when I thought it would be a great idea for me to start my own company and also begin to help people with the knowledge that I attained over the years um, and also through my different endeavors as well.
0: Okay, and what are some of the financial services and products that k had Consultants offer?
1: Well, primarily right now, we are doing consulting and also we're doing courses where we teach about a myriad of topics ranging from credit, um, stock investing, um, economics, and uh, credit repair, a long range of uh, topics where we discuss um, and help people one-on-one get an understanding for the questions that they have.
0: Okay, so let's get a little bit more into the uh, courses that you said that you all provide. Are these going to be, or are these basic courses or more
1: advanced courses? Well, these are basic courses because primarily the goal is right now to teach people at a basic fundamental level about how to understand finances and this stems from whether it's talking about stocks or how to invest even how to manage money these are very rudimentary basic things that many people don't understand and want to know how to manage and how to use them when it comes to dealing with their own money so we're teaching at a basic level but we do and will offer even more advanced courses for those who want to continue their education through us
0: Okay, that is a wonderful idea. So, while it is important for everyone to gain financial literacy, what is your take as an African American um on the fact that there are minorities who are not financially literate?
1: Well, actually, I believe this is this is a big problem and this is one of the primary reasons why I began to offer financial services, um, not only just to help the average person, but also to help people within that people who are minorities or or in these communities, because what we found is that they're heavily underserved and Mm -hmm. no one is going into the communities teaching any of this information. You would think that most people understood the basics of savings where Mm -hmm. this is not even taught. Right. A lot of minority communities. So this is why we pride ourselves on wanting to give back and wanting to offer services, go into the communities and teach about financial literacy and education, because even in the school system, there are no classes or courses teaching about this. And this is important when you go into the world and you don't know how to manage money, that can be very detrimental.
0: Right. Let's talk about a little bit more about um, how detrimental the lack of Financial knowledge can be, especially when it comes to credit and um, especially in the minority communities. What are the detrimental effects? Let's get into those details.
1: Well, when it comes to credit, I believe that most, you know, credit is your worthiness to everyone else in the world. And most people coming out of high school or at a young age going to college, Mm -hmm. Most young people are not considering how much their credit, how important their credit is to their future, because it is your worthiness to everyone else that is around you. Companies don't look at you as a person, they look at how is your credit history? How are you when it comes to paying bills, How are you when it comes to managing money? How are you when it comes to managing the percentages of money that you have? Then that determines whether you're able to get higher credit limits. And this affects things like buying a house, getting a car that most people don't consider. Mm -hmm. And on the other side, when we talk about money, money, uh, understanding how to manage money is very important. And it can be detrimental if you don't know how to save, how to have a budget, how to spend or invest it. You know, I've always I personally believe that saving is more detrimental than understanding how to invest, because a lot of people. Now, saving money in many sense instances, it's just money waiting to be spent. You're going to keep it away, put it to the side, and it's just waiting for you to spend it. But investing money allows it to accrue interest, allow it to build trust, and allows it to grow where you have more money for your future. I believe this is more important. And even as kids, many of us are taught to just save. But a lot of times we end up saving and the money just ends up being spent. So this is why I believe that we need to start implementing the investment into the community, teaching about investment to people so they can understand that it's about gaining over a long period of time. And then you'll see the residual effects over years, whereas uh, saving money is important, but a lot of times it's just being spent and it's not growing. So both of these are very important. Credit is important and the understanding of budgeting and spending or investing.
0: Okay. Can you give us an example or take us through, um, an example of how someone, even the most, even a novice person or most, someone having the most basic knowledge of investing can start out investing. Like, is there a particular figure that, um, someone should invest and, um, What would be the return on that investment? Can you take us through an example of that?
1: Well, I'll say this. Generally speaking, if you want to just start investing, I don't believe there's a minimum. Any money that you can invest and that's left over, you should invest. But in the terms of a structure, I believe in the 50-30-20 rule, which says or states that 50% of your money should be towards needs. 30% should be towards your wants and 20% should always be towards investing. So this 20%, I believe is important when you have a paycheck or any money left over, you should put, try to at least get 20% of your money growing and moving and working when you're not needing it. That way, over the course of a year or two, it can gain 15, 20% interest on that, whatever the amount is, but there is no basic or uh, beginning amount for anyone that wants to come in. There's no entry level, level of point. Anyone can invest and you can start with any amount of money.
0: Okay, so let's say I'm a, your potential new client and I want to invest, let's say, $5,000. Mm-hmm. Can you take me through um, what my uh, what, what you could possibly do to help me to invest $5,000? What benefits would I reap from that?
1: Well, specifically with our company, what we do is we set you up where you can manage the $5,000 for yourself. So we will explain. Well, first, we will ask questions about what are you looking to invest in? I do believe you should invest in what you know. Anything you're familiar with, you have an understanding and invested interest in is something you should invest long term or invest your money into. So we will ask questions about what are you particularly interested in? What industries do you interested in? Then from there, we will go through stocks and we'll go through an investment plan to sort out these companies or companies or that fit equities that fit your interest. At that point, we will then divide that $5,000 over five to 10 different assets invest them. And then over the course of a quarter, three months or a month, we can begin to sort out which ones are going well. We can put more money into it. And then we can take those percentages and increase it over a year. Now, generally speaking, um, three to 5% is what you want to see per quarter. That is our goal, three to 5% every single quarter. And then we'll take those measures and then we can then divest or increase the investment based on how The five thousand dollars is moving so that's just a very brief overview but generally speaking we go into every detail when it comes to what you're investing and then teach you how to manage it which is very important okay how to manage the five thousand what are you looking for what markers are you looking for this way it saves you money because most companies take a large percentage of those gains, whereas we don't take anything. We just charge an initial fee upfront and every other gain is yours.
0: Oh, wow, that's a bonus. Yes. Okay, so let's say with that $5,000, I want to take the highest risk possible. Do you you advise um, initial investors on, do you advise initial investors on whether they should start out Um, investing in stocks that are modest or investing in stocks that are more volatile how does that work
1: this is one of the principal uh, points that we go into in the beginning Uh, we ask our clients what type of investment are you seeking are you seeking a growth strategy or are you seeking a value strategy which are both very important and we teach this within our course our introduction to stocks course But this is important because a growth strategy entails that you're going to want to be more aggressive. You're going to want to go after stocks and equities that are very fast growing every day up to the minute type moving stocks, which is completely different than someone who wants to do a value uh, investment. The investment strategy. Whereas this person just wants to go with something a little bit slower, must something more secure, long-term companies that have a long track record of growing at steady increments. So this is a really d- depends, a, depends on the client, what they want. Are they looking to seek higher gains faster or are they looking for something more secure with their money? And we also go into this in the beginning. These are questions that we vet so we can know what the client wants. Personally, I recommend always a value investment strategy because it's safer. And most people are not going to manage this or want to manage a growth portfolio because it requires a little bit more attention. Whereas a value portfolio, a little bit slower, quarterly updates and checks, and the targets are a little bit more moderate instead of a value, or a growth investment strategy, which is more aggressive. You have to move your money more quickly and also be more invested into the every weekly or the day-to-day of what's going on with that stock.
0: Okay. So what information would you um, would should a young person know? Let's say that a young person age eighteen, or is there a minimum age for your investors? Okay and if not, what um, what knowledge or, or information should a person know about um, Financial investing and financial literacy. What knowledge would you give a young person, perhaps in high school, who wants to learn how to invest early on?
1: As an early investor, I would say the most important thing initially would just be saving. Um, This is just the basic point of emphasis because when you're younger, you tend to spend more frivolously right? and don't consider saving any Mm -hmm. dollar, anything. And that can be worse than just saving money. If you have nothing there, then there's nothing to invest. So I would say the first part is just learning how to save and manage money, not spending all of your check, not buying those pair of shoes this week, but maybe Mm -hmm. saving that for another month. And then I would say learning to invest early would be great because... If we could get more of the, of the youth into stocks or even just putting their money into mutual funds or uh, an investment portfolio or account, this would be benef- very beneficial for them as they wait three, four years after finishing college or four years into their career of, of, of a job. Then they would see that the, incre- the increase is very uh, it's very good long term even at five ten percent a year that is a lot you can double triple your money by within the next five six years so i would say those are the two most important things but primarily learning how to save money that's where it starts
0: okay now do you have any influences on your journey in your field
1: uh for me I would say that I don't have any uh, direct influences, but I've always read a lot about uh, stocks and um, investors. I've always had influences from afar or role models from afar. I've read uh, different, uh, so many different pieces on people like Peter Lynch, uh, Philip Fisher, Warren Buffett, all different types of people, because um, these are some of the most successful investors in history. So when you hear about them that's when i began to read about mm-hmm. what did these people do what was their ideology what did they stand for what did they how did they see investing how did they see money and view it so i would say many people have always had role models from afar and um but directly i can't really name anybody as this was a, a new and direct path for me that um not many people had taken before me that i personally knew so i had to definitely look up to others who had taken this path and who had cultivated years before me and professionals amongst uh, in the field.
0: Okay. So getting more into your uh, financial investment firm or financial consultations. Um, do you, what is their particular income that a person should have um, before they take up your services or do they come from all walks of life?
1: Oh, uh, for me personally, our company, um, the the people who want our service come from all walks of life. They're just the regular everyday people who want to know how to manage money, how to make more money, how to save money, how to invest, how to fix their credit. These are things that are important to them. And this is what made me get into this. Um, It's just because so many people began to ask me. You know how can they do? How can they do the basic things, of in, the, the base, the basic steps of investing? How do they take these steps? How do they know where to invest, what to buy? So I would say there's no income threshold or minimum needed to acquire our services, because we want to help everyone. No matter if you're making six figures or if you're making far less than that, we want to help you take the money that you have teach you how to manage it and grow it and we offer services that help you grow your money quarterly and we have consultations with professionals that will help you along your journey so you're not left alone but in the process of investing we are educating so that you can they can take those skills and teach others the methods that we implement
0: okay so it's kind of like a pay it forward yes okay that's great do you also think that it it's less discouraging when people know that you're not taking a large cut from what they're investing in you you provide a or you offer a fee up front and um do you also think it's less discouraging when they know that okay there's no limit there's no maximum or minimum in terms of income that they have to have starting out as an investor
1: oh i definitely believe this plays a a big factor into people deciding to use our service because, as I said before, we don't take any fees long term, any asset fees or any gains that you may acquire. We don't take any of those. We just charge an initial fee up front and our fees are actually very competitive and a lot lower than the competition because at the end of the day, we believe in the quality of helping people. Oh, and over just the quantity of initial uh, funds or the long-term funds that we can gain off their investments. We want to help people at the basic level, and we don't want to rip them out of anything, any unnecessary money or excessive amounts. So we don't charge a lot for our services. They're very competitive and everything is up front. So the client can feel comfortable knowing on the back end, anything they make, they keep. You're just charging for our setup, our investment strategy, And we offer consultation fees for your management of your portfolio and we offer the initial setup fee for if you have no understanding of stocks and you want us to pick the stocks and help you cultivate your portfolio, we do that as well. But the investment fee or firm would typically be a firm fee. We don't charge 0% and we're here to assist our clients for the long term and we want to retain those clients as well.
0: That's awesome. Now, do you just service those in the metropolitan Detroit area or are you servicing people in other states? How does that
1: work? Well, we service people from different states because our our even though we are founded and we are based in Metro uh, Metro Detroit, our company is digital. We are online primarily. So you can access us from any point. You can contact us remotely from any point through our website, through email, um, all our, most of our classes are digital. Um, anything, um, along the lines of our services can be retained through our website. So it doesn't matter where you're from, we can always get in contact with you and the same principles apply. We offer the same strategies, teach the same methodology and we can, we make sure that we stay in contact with our clients no matter where they're from. And, um, I think this is a big, huge advantage to us because being so new, we also have the advantage of seeing the market in the digital age. So we are stripped primarily online and this helps people get in contact with us easier. And Our service is seamless.
0: Awesome. Now let's get into, let's get more into the credit repair service. Okay. Yes. Now, when someone comes to you, let's say they have the worst credit possible? What is the lowest credit you can have? A a zero or or 100, 200?
1: You see some threes and fours out there.
0: (laughs) And how would you help them? Like, what would you, how would you assess that uh, credit file and begin to help someone (laughs) with the worst credit possible?
1: Well, I can give you a brief overview uh, about how we would handle this. First, you know, one of the biggest things that Things that play credit reports is old information and history, and sometimes inaccurate reporting on credit reports from years ago. So old reports and inaccurate reporting. So the first thing we want to do is clear those up. We want to make sure that we can get in contact um, with the agencies, verify this information, and remove a lot of this off the credit off the person's credit report because sometimes you know companies keep information on your credit report illegally after 20 years, things that are supposed to fall off are still playing in and holding mm-hmm. you back. But these things can be removed with just a little bit of um, detailed inf- um, findings and research. So doing that is the, the fir- one of the first steps. And then we want to get into getting people entry-level credit cards, um, no matter where, who it's, well, we want to use reputable companies, but getting people some type of credit. That's the first the second part of it, whether that's a $100 limit, $200 limit, once you can show that you can manage that, then your payment history begins to increase. And then you can get attain higher limits from there. But the most important thing is just making sure that everything is off the credit report. That's that can be detrimental or tearing it down because this is a, this is the Probably the bulk of what plagues credit credit reports, right? it's old and old information and inaccurate
0: reporting, right? And I hear that a lot. Now, let's say, for instance, someone does. Let's go back to the the example of someone having old credit, as, as old as 18 20 years old. And let's say that um, a creditor comes along, buys that credit report or, or, or not credit report, but let's say they buy that particular um, account. Yes. So now it's re-aged and under this new creditor, it looks like it's just less than a year old. How do you get rid of those? How do you remove those from the report?
1: Well, primarily, um, which this is in many cases, it's it's wrong, wrong for reporting and it could be considered illegal, but most companies do. They, they, they do this to many people by continuing to sell debt that's past a certain age or past seven seven years, and they're continuing to sell it. So what we do is um, we contact the reporting, the, the company and the, the originator of the debt um, the collector and we contact the, uh, rep- the reporting agency. So you have your TransUnion, your experience We contact those agencies because what they would do is they will tie an investigation to whatever the debt is. And if they see that the credit is past seven years, then they can launch an investigation and remove that from their end. And then it shows that, okay, this is past the age limit. But a lot of times this goes unnoticed because the companies aren't just looking at credit reports. You mm-hmm. have to contact them and let make them aware that we've contacted the originator of the debt and we're contacting the reporting agency to let them know this debt is too old to be on the credit report. So a lot of people don't take time to do this. Right. This is a service that we offer Okay. it's very important.
0: And a lot of people don't know that. They don't know that, okay, even if this uh account was re-aged and is now under this new creditor they don't know that they can still go through that process to get it removed so that's very good that you are educating them on that so that they are more aware you know you know going into fixing their credit
1: exactly and and on the other end of that you know a lot of people are always worried about school or student loans or debt Mm
0: -hmm. and this
1: has less effect on your credit than a Personal debt between mm-hmm. you and the company, student debt, school debt, has we that's easily fixable. That's one of the things that doesn't fall off, but it doesn't affect your credit scores nearly as much as a debt that you get through not paying your bill through uh, a basic retail store or, or credit
0: cards credit card, or something like that. Exactly. okay, or loans. Okay, okay, so that makes sense. Okay, so what about let's say that. Someone has a fairly decent credit score. Let's say, what would be a, considered a fairly decent credit score nowadays? Well, nowadays, I would say
1: 650. 650?
0: 650.
1: 650 actually, pretty good, about average to good.
0: Okay. Now, do you have clients who come to you with? A fairly decent or at what's considered an average credit score that may still have something inaccurate on their credit report?
1: Oh, certainly. All the time. Um, I encounter many people who have, because a lot of times you see when people have a, uh, someone has a credit score of 650, they're trying to break through the 700 ceiling they're or a real ceiling mm-hmm. of 700. And a lot of times there can be something on your credit score that keeps dragging you down, keeping it between that range. It keeps falling between 680, 670 and pulls back. And what we do is we have to look at, we go and look at the credit report and see what is going on. Is there something on here that's old that's on the credit report? Is there something accurate reporting going on? Is there some kind of late fee or some collector legal collection attempt as well, because sometimes collectors try to attempt on debts that aren't mm-hmm. even on your credit score anymore. Wow. So there are a lot of things like this that can occur and you can still have a fairly decent credit score. But our job is to remove those inaccuracies and remove that reporting. So we each want to clean the credit report first. Then we can begin to build credit because at the 650 mark, this is where you can begin to access higher limits of credit.
0: Okay. What about a client who is contemplating bankruptcy? Would you even ever advise, let's say, let me uh, create a a, a credit file for you. Let's say this person is at 500. Let's just say 500. And let's say that they have a combination of old and 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 semi-old and and new debt that adds up to 180,000 for example. And let's let's take let's factor in their debt to income ratio. Their the debt is 180,000, their income is let's say 30,000. So they cannot even win for losing. So how do you how, what would what advice would you give them like if if they've come to you they're like look I'm at the end I've exhausted all options I don't know how to get my head above water and I am so tempted to file bankruptcy what kind of advice would you give that that type of client
1: Well I would say generally speaking we don't offer uh we don't offer legal advice or Sway the customer or client either way when it comes to wanting to file bankruptcy or something along that line. Okay. But what we, what I will say is that if a person does have an income threshold and ratio, their debt to income ratio is that high, um, I believe that bankruptcy can be useful in many senses, in many instances because uh, getting that debt off is very important. And with 108000 dollars of debt and you're making what like, $10,000, $15,000 a year, it's very unlikely you'll ever pay that debt off in a lifetime. So bankruptcy can be very useful. And personally, I would recommend somebody would that somebody do this if they want to lower that debt threshold in the future and then be able to, say, purchase a house or something within the next five to 10 years. This is a great avenue. But primarily, we just clean up credit reports. Okay. We clean up the basics of the credit report. As far as the debt, that is more so up to the client whether they want to pursue taking legal action to get bankruptcy, file bankruptcy, Or do they want to just continue to hold on to that?
0: Or even something like debt management. Do you even think that debt management, I know you can't give that type of advice to your clients, but what is your take on debt management programs or debt consolidation programs? Do you, does that offer any type of benefit or do you think that the best way is to start with cleaning up the credit?
1: Well, for most, I would say the best way in my opinion is to clean up the credit uh, first because debt uh it's not necessarily the worst thing that you can have if mm-hmm. it's a a manageable amount of debt if it's not then at that point then maybe a program would be the best way but most people um i believe the cleaning the credit report is the biggest issue a lot of times when, when i see bad credit reports it just it's just a history stemming from not unpaid credit cards 10 years ago right something that's very old okay. a a Defaulted lease from years ago, something of that wow. nature. It's something very small, but it drags for years. Yeah. And it's just a stain on the credit report. So, this is mm-hmm. what I see most of the time. I rarely see many people with a hundred plus thousand dollars worth of credit debt, direct right. credit debt, outside of school loans where they just can't pay it or anything like that. Most of the time, it's just old, unpaid credit cards, phone bills. From years ago,
0: and okay. they, they may
1: have forgotten about them. And they've never looked at a credit report and understood, okay, if I have no credit history, but I have one item that's been dragging my credit report for years, mm-hmm. it's, gonna, it's gonna look worse. So, but at the same time, I've seen situations where we you you'll have a client with ten, fifteen thousand dollars worth of debt, a hundred thousand dollars worth of school loans, but access to twenty or thirty thousand dollars worth of new credit. This is what we provide how to get higher credit limits. Right. How to continue to grow your credit and keep accessing higher limits because this is important as well if you want to grow credit.
0: Okay. Now, okay, so has there ever been an instance that you know of where once you clean up someone's credit file, has there been instances where creditors have come back around and and put something out, put one of those accounts back on the the credit file?
1: I would say this is rare, but it does happen. This can happen. Um, And this is why it's so important to monitor your credit report and report these types of discrepancies because the credit reporting agencies, their job is to remove these type of um, activities and wrongful activities and marks off your credit report. It's very important. That you constantly watch your credit because sometimes companies will do this. Mm-hmm. They'll say, well, you removed it, but then a, a person who the uh, the collector, who the debt was sold to, will come back and say, no, you owe us money. And this is wrong, especially after a period of seven years when these credit or derogatory marks are supposed to fall off of your credit report. Mm-hmm. So that is illegal, but companies engage in it all the time. Okay. And then they use the excuse of, we just didn't know. We just bought the debt.
0: Right so could so should a client come back to you when that happens um let's say that they aren't sure how to go about doing that on their own
1: if they if they want this help the help of uh learning how to or knowing how to fix this and they should come back to us okay we we would definitely be more than willing to help the, the client with that uh, type of situation
0: but at the same time as you said you are educating them along the way so yeah. that is the benefit now uh, now once you do that have there ever been clients that have been repeat debt offenders like even after you scrub the, the credit clean and let's say a few months passed, and they they're tacking back on the debt and and maybe they're not paying it on time or maybe they're not paying it at all okay so how do you how do you continue to educate them or can you can can repeat offenders be helped in terms of uh debt
1: in reality the harsh reality of this is not everybody can be helped when it comes to this unfortunately because sometimes you know you have people who may want their credit fixed and you go through the measures uh to get it fixed and then the person may have a spending problem Mm -hmm. something that is not is incurable to us we can teach them the information but if Mm -hmm. the person has bad habits with spending and they're not willing to take the advice Mm -hmm. and live by the advice we give them then unfortunately we can't we can only help them try to recover um or repair the damage has been done, but long-term it's not going to work because if you're spending yourself into massive amounts of debt and it's become, it's unpaid and it's leading to other financial issues. Well, that is a a much deeper, deeper problem. Right outside of our realm.
0: Right. And it's ultimately up to each individual exactly. to just utilize the tools that you give
1: them. We give the tools and you have to go use them. Okay. To build from that,
0: yes. Well, here is another scenario for you. Let's say that someone comes to you and they want help cl- um, cleaning their credit file. And let's say that their income is 25000 a year. Okay. How would you... Um, it, it, keeping their income in mind, how would you go about helping them after you've cleaned their file? Like, what type of tools do you offer specifically for people? Is it is it based on their income level? What is it based on?
1: Well, specifically with credit, um, it's less so about the income level. It's more so about we want to. Build up the level of consistency mm-hmm. on the credit report, first and foremost. Um, and this involves payment history. So we want to make sure, no matter what you're making, that you're paying your bills on time. Mm-hmm. And you're spending a moderate amount of your credit. You do not want to spend an excessive amount of it if you have $5,000 limit. Mm-hmm. Limits are $10,000 on your limit. You don't want to spend the entire amount. You only want to spend a percentage and continue to pay that over months and years so you can have a consistent report on your file that says you're good with paying your bills. This is one that probably just about the primary and most important factor of your credit is your payment history. Okay. How good are you at paying bills? When right. you see that you will pay the bills no matter what, this is, this is very important to seeking higher limits and being offered higher limits no matter what your um, current salary is.
0: Okay, okay. now can a person or do you often um, have clients who start out in the credit repair service or program who transition eventually into your investment services?
1: Yes, uh, typically the, the clients that we do have are, are interested in a, a broad range of uh, of the services that we services that we offer because a lot of them tie into each other um when you're moving from credit now you're talking about how to manage your debt or how to invest your money or leverage your credit these all tie in together but they're different topics so we teach this at at many different levels about how to use your credit that you have how to invest your money and how these can all benefit you long term how you can grow on one end how you can leverage what you've uh, the credit you've acquired on the other end so yes we do have a crossover When it comes to our clients wanting to get into other, learn about other topics, learn learn about our other services and being involved in different programs.
0: Thank you very much for that. I think you gave us a lot of insight on financial literacy and the credit repair aspect. Now, if someone wants to contact you, what is your website?
1: Oh, yes. If you want to contact us, please go to kheadconsults.com or you can contact us via email or directly through our number or make an appointment online. And one of our associates or representatives will be in contact with you with any kind of information that you want to know, um, that you need or want to know. And, um, but again, the website is kheadconsults.com.
0: Okay, and let me spell that out. K-H-E-A-D-C-O-N-S-U-L-T-S dot com. kheadconsults.com. Thank you very much, Kenneth Head. Thank you.
1: Thank you for having me. I kind of like where your show is headed as far as, you know, its overall message. Just keep doing what you do. And um, I'll be checking in to listen out for more episodes, definitely.